Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Uh, it's the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, and uh, today's guest is the CEO of the Delta Enhancement Group, and he is the host of the Intentional Disruption Podcast. Uh, and we chat before the show, and we were having uh, such a good discussion, I just decided to hit record straight off the bat, so um, we didn't miss any of that. But please welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, welcome Mike Demo. Mike, welcome to the show, man. All right, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, I just had to get that out of the way because uh, yep, I got to do it. I chat with all my guests before the, before the show, and uh, we we just started uh, we just started straight into a discussion. I'm like, man, this is too good not to hit record. So uh, so the guys got a little bit of the pre-show there, um, dude. How do we fix education? So the, there's um, Tim Kennedy. He's not too far from where you are. Uh, yeah, I've, I I've met him. I'm familiar with him, but I we're not okay. friends. Maybe, maybe one day. Someday. Um, His school that he just opened follows a Socratic method. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I use with my son. So a little background, I have a 23-month-old, and in two weeks, I'm going to have a uh, baby girl. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. It, you know, when you start at my age, you got to just really bang that out, not to use a pun. (laughs) You you better Um, better get going, man. You don't got long left. Yeah. You know, the, the, the time is ticking. So with my son... And a lot of this comes from a book by two professors, The Coddling of the American Mind. Mm-hmm. And just the mindset that I've understood, having run my first business, um, which was Cutco Cutlery, uh, I ran one of those offices. Oh, nice. And this is back in the mid-2000s, late 2000s. Your OG door knocker. Well, that's that's the misconception, but I've never knocked on a door. Right. Um, the way that that progressed is it was all personal recommendation-based, mm-hmm. where one person would get a hold of the other people. Hey, would it be cool if Mike came over? Um, you know, he gets paid regardless of if you buy. So Cutco's Cutco's like a party model then? A what? Like a party? Like like you get people over, like people come over, you give a demo. No, it's I, a one on one. I've never sold never sold Cutco. Never sold it. Never. Um but well, they do. They it don't gets, have a UK office. It gets uh, it gets lumped in with uh, with Mastercard and with Kirby and with all those traditional um, places where a lot of sales guys go to cut their teeth and maybe they don't maybe they don't quite get it right, you know. Yeah, and with this one, it's it's not as much. And the way that I explained it, because I trained and worked with hundreds of young professionals, mm-hmm. they weren't when I met them, but right, right. When I worked with them, I was like, look, you're you're not going to be a knife salesperson for the rest of your life. But I can tie it into how it's going to make you a better doctor, how it's going to make you a better scientist, how it's going to make you a better insert the thing here, because those skills are the tangible real world skills that we need to the point that unlike Kirby, uh, Western Connecticut State University, when I was going there, they gave me six credits for my experience working with vector marketing and Cutco Cutlery. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's some of the prestige that the training program has. And as a matter of fact, I've had eight years experience with a uh, Fortune 100 financial company. They manage about one and a half trillion dollars mm-hmm. on their sales desk. And the training that I received and then that I gave to these young adults is better than what they pay millions of dollars to institute to the point where there's three wholesale of the year awards back there that I just put up because I 
didn't have anywhere else to put him. <laughs> um, but I got all of those, not because of their training, but because of what I learned there, <clears throat> sitting down with a client mm-hmm. in their kitchen and doing a needs analysis of what they had, how they're using it, and what's the best way to serve them. And those skills, by the way, with my clients now, it's the same process. Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely it's agree. all the same thing. So if we're going to talk, coming back to education, real-world skills. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, why, why, why is then, I mean, geez, you could, you could fund vocational programs just with mm-hmm. donations from employers. Like, yeah. like, I would love nothing more than to have a kid coming in here three days a week and us training them on media and then go to school two days a week and get their certification after a couple of years. Like, because real world practical application is by far, in my experience, the best way to learn anything. It is. And, you know, there's a lot of besmirchment about learning the trades. And then those same people that are saddled with $150,000 in debt complain because the globalist economy has priced their skill set out to another country. Mm-hmm. You, you can't do that with a plumber. Dude, if I had to do it all over again, like from scratch, from, and I was 18, um, I would probably, I'd definitely go the entrepreneur route, but I would probably go get certified in plumbing, electrical, HVAC, something in the trade, maybe a welder, um, something in the trades, because there is such a shortage of that skill set. Because, like, um, you and I were probably right around the same age. And when you I was. You better with the hair. But, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's just a toupee. It's just for the camera, mate. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but. Shit, totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, going into the trades as an entrepreneur oh. and having that skill set, yeah. Well, when I was coming out of high school, it was like, go to university, get a degree in computers, computers of the future, go go do computers and computers. And, like, you weren't really encouraged to go and learn how to be a bricklayer, for example, mm-hmm. or learn how to be a plumber. That's just what, that's what like other people did that weren't as good as computer programmers and engineers and you're going to get this job and that job and man well if you didn't go to the vocational school like my i went to the normal high school and Mm -hmm. they had an auto shop that they literally building off to the side pretty much forgotten about yeah but we've only ever been good at creating factory workers like my dad is a mechanic ironically enough Mm -hmm. and when he said to his guidance counselor i want to be a mechanic they just put him in the grease monkey room and just said, go to it. But they didn't explain to him, you know, you're going to need math. And right. here's the type of math you're going to need. Mm-hmm. Like there's not building out that school set. Um, you know, we've changed our education system. When I was an education major before I realized that like, I can make an impact in people's lives, not having to teach the state approved curriculum. Exactly. I mean, the, and like you look at what we do, I, we're essentially teachers. Like, I am a teacher. I just get paid by people to teach them instead of teaching in a school. Um, and that and that's it. But like we we teach to the test, and that ruins the ability to have critical thinking because you're just doing rote memorization. Mm-hmm. Like the joke, I don't even know what I ate for breakfast yesterday. Well, that applies to what we learned in school too. Oh, absolutely. So, but if you had the ability to do, you say the Socratic method and. Um, like my personal development coach, because even coaches have coaches, I pay three right now. <laughs> I've got a couple myself, yeah. But he says, you have to teach it. 
Because if you can't teach it, you don't know it. And if you don't know it, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. So what the hell are you doing? Right. And that's just it. But experiential learning is such a critical part of the process. And we don't have that. I mean, I'd even say in the schools, if you're in medical school and you want to run your own business, nowhere in the curriculum does it say you should take a business class. I've got a client that we're on track to have a 50% increase this year. He's been flatlined at about $2 million. We'll pop three. And with some of the other structural changes we're making next year, we'll probably hit five, six. And we'll be in an eight figure business with some of the new locations we're going to add within 24 months. I think we'll that's, I think that's because skill set is skill set. Um, and whatever skill set you have, be it you're an attorney or be it you're a plumber or any of that stuff, it's only about 10% of it. And business is business. And you can remove that 10% and take the 90% and plug another 10% into it. And it's the same repeatable process. It doesn't matter what line of business you're in. Most entrepreneurs I find that that I end up working with have never been through the other 90% of the process. They're they're super experts at their 10%. um, And they've never been through the same. So would it be so detrimental to revamp our education system around more vocational and practical things because you think of of freedom like we were talking about earlier surely the ultimate freedom is a country that's made up of a bunch of people that all work for themselves and all do their own thing and you know all have their own little companies i mean surely that's more freedom than than what we got now i'd argue the ultimate freedom is your bills being paid before the month begins. So not being saddled with debt is another good one, but that's an extension of that same thing. You know, everyone, like you see in the news, oh, millennials, they just like renting. We, do we cuss on this podcast? Oh, absolutely. Fuck yes, please. Bullshit. <laughs> Cause I had yeah. a sticker on my car when I was a kid and said, end world hunger. If you can't feed them, don't breed them. That's why I didn't have kids until I was 38. Mm-hmm. Uh, It's expensive in my neck of the woods, but to the point behind that, like if you're so encumbered with debt and you have that just hanging over you, it costs about a million dollars for a kid. Really? Yeah. I wonder if I I can get mine to pay me back. um, Well, that's usually when you're in diapers that they pay you back for when they were in diapers. I I think that's how that works. That's how it works. Okay. I I got a couple million dollars coming then. I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Like my aunt and my uh, mom, we're like, all right, well, so the cousin's going to take care of my mom. I take care of my aunt. And they were like, yeah, you know, because you don't want to have to take care of your own parents. I was like, all right, fine. Um, you made the mistake, though, because I, I know that I'm going to have a different outcome. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure the home will be very good, um, but I'm just going to put you in a house. There's a big difference. Big difference. So, being, I get um, it. I get it. <laughs> It's it's wild. Um, and I mean, that's why I do what I do for like some of the veterans that I work with. Like just earlier, about an hour ago, I was having a conversation with my lawyer putting together a contract. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm passionate about, you know, a lot of the same things you are like businesses and the trades. That's my ideal client. Right, right. And I'm doing a lot of work now with veterans that they want to move into business ownership. Mm-hmm. And everyone is always like, oh, it's so sexy and cool to do a startup. No offense, that's stupid. Yeah. Startups fail 80, 90% of the time within five years. And for the same money, 
buy one of these small businesses that if you don't buy it, it becomes an asset sale and your community loses that resource. It's almost a no brainer. Like be cash flow positive, maybe in five years or be cash flow positive day one for about the same initial investment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Man, I think I think owning a business and entrepreneurship is is very very romanticized on mm-hmm. the internet. Um, you see the influencers, you see the Instagram posts, you see the Rolexes and the fast cars. And you're like, oh man, I can do that. This would be good. And most people, when they get their first go at it, they don't realize just how much work it is. Like over and over and over. And if you've never been taught entrepreneurship, if you've only got that. 10% that is your specific skill set, you're mm-hmm. just going to have a super hard time. And um, I, I advise now a lot of people starting out to look for strategic partnerships and look for places where they can go and work and go and gain experience on somebody else's dollar. Because, man, <laughs> again, I think the internet over-romanticizes the, uh, the amount of hard work that is involved in succeeding in doing this. So there, there's a third option to that, and that's the one that my clients are on, mm-hmm. because I'm right. You're right, and I'm not sending these people out into the wild on their own. That's why I stay on as an equity partner. Yeah, yeah. And we continue to work together and help them progress. Because to your point, everyone shows off the Rolex and everything. I, I don't wear watches anyway, so I don't really care about them. But I've been on the other side. I've taken a business where I was doing 50% year over year growth through the 2008 crash. Mm -hmm. And then because I hadn't worked on my systems and also worked on myself, I dirt napped that entire thing. Like my stuff was locked in the office and like, you didn't, you didn't not, you didn't not work on your systems. You didn't understand that you needed to have systems in place. It wasn't like you were lazy and just said, Oh, fuck it. I don't need systems. It's, yeah, it was 100 hours a week trying to do all of the stuff yourself. Right, because you didn't understand what, what a system was or what you needed. And mm-hmm. n- neither did I. And it's only from doing this for 20 years. Like, I'm still, like, terrified to step away from my company. And you'll never step away until you're forced to. And um, just a, a couple of weeks ago, I was forced to step away. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the systems we had in place, like... I would have been terrified, but like I literally, I came back and there was more work and there was more money and everybody had been paid and nothing burned down. And I was like, holy shit, did I just have a moment? But it was because I didn't know up until the last few years how critical having replicable systems was. And so I don't think you, you did it out of like laziness. I think it was just a lack of that education. Maybe if you'd had a, a a mentor such as yourself that had an equity position in the company that could have steered you right. You see, like yeah. I think that's a I think that's a wonderful model, um, especially because as a coach, it it vests you long term in the project. It means you're going to be there to see that it succeeds. Yeah, and that's why like I started off on this process, just paying you know taking a monthly fee, mm-hmm. but. Then I was like, all right, well, what do we actually need to do to get there? And how much of a time commitment are you looking for for me? And with what a lot of these people needed and what their goals were, it's like, we're going to run faster together than having me as a disinterested third party. Right. You know, that that's just how it works. Your success is my success. And, you know, that's an important thing. Like everyone's like, like there's, it's like the inverse of FOMO. It's a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well. I don't want to give up 25% of my business. It's like, all right, well, your business has done, call it a million dollars, 
flat for the last three years. I'll do you one better. And this is a, I don't do this with everybody. I have to really know their business before I do it. Like with uh, my medical client, it's like, all right, I'm going to get, you know, X percent, but it's only the delta between where you are now and where we take and where you. we go. Yeah. Which side note, that's what, that's why my company is named what it is. That the makes delta sense. Enhancement yeah. group. Um, fun financial term that like 4% of the population probably ever heard. You know, <laughs> it's usually your financial advisor trying to sound bougie, really. Yeah. yeah. But that's it. Like I'm invested not in your past. I'm invested in your success. Yeah. Dude, I might have to look at that um, because like a lot of my clients, they don't actually like need anything except a boss. They need somebody to hold their hand, tell them what to do, guide them on the next steps and give them the the the, the accountability to make mm-hmm. them show up and most of my clients need a boss that's just what it is they use me as somebody that gives them the next step and why isn't this done and what were you doing today and where did you spend your time and um you know maybe that'd be a good idea for me yeah there's two people that you needed at the top of a company you need your visionary and you need your implementer absolutely most entrepreneurs are of a visual visionary mindset like and I joke with people like in the art sense, I drew that picture back there um, as part of my PTSD therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but my brain is not art minded, right? It's very much systems minded. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit of a hybrid where I've got the visionary ability, but also some of the structural understanding. Uh, a lot of that comes from my time when I was in the Marines, where I had to manage the entire battle space. Like there wasn't a fancy LCD. Yeah. Uh, like with pen and paper and then a couple charts i had to be able to understand the entire battlefield mm-hmm. and when you can do that at a young age it translates yeah like, my military transcripts didn't translate i mean the only credit <laughs> i got at college was gym they gave me but <laughs> but it does translate over you know being able to you know step back elevate and see the entire field right it's a very important thing and that's what i do with my clients is they present to me where they're really flustered everything else is like all right go outside i'm not talking to you in the office anymore mm-hmm. or we'll set up a one-on-one and it's purposely an off-site just to extract them from everything like it, it's one of the most important things just because you need to take a breath yeah you know yeah. and just like and i do that with my son which is wild I, i've been using him as my guinea pig, I guess. Like when he's crying, he's like, dude, you're totally allowed to cry. I'm not going to like, as men, we need to be able to say it's okay to cry. Just saying that out loud. Mm -hmm. I know you feel that way, but do me a favor, breathe with me for a minute and we'll do a box breathing exercise. Mm -hmm. And, and it instantly calms down. My wife and my mother-in-law look at me like, what the hell did you just do? It's like, I helped him do a reset. That's all. Right. Yeah, and now that we did that, we can push forward. You find that's a real common problem um, that translates over to entrepreneurs. You, you work with a lot of guys that are that are overwhelmed like that. It comes up a lot, and one of my personal development coach, his name's Ryan Idell, by the way. Um, so if if you can get on his calendar, he's fantastic. Um, it's not an easy calendar to get on nowadays, but he was going through some of the turning with me and if you think about a roundabout 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the proper British term. Yeah, yeah. Um, so traffic circle. Is that what you call it? Traffic circle. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're going along and you hit a traffic circle. And that traffic circle is all those additional stressors. And specifically as military, but as men, you know, women will do this too if they're more of a type A. Mm-hmm. We try to embrace the suck and, you know, push through because we're tough. And at each one of these off ramps off the turning circle, the roundabout, if you just acknowledged the issue and made the shift, you could get off and elevate to the next level. Uh, very much the Claire Graves uh, model. Yeah. And, but we get all the way to the bottom, we hit ground zero, and then we start to pull ourselves out. We're the Phoenix rising. And that's where all the inspirational posts on Facebook and everything start to come back out. But when you come back around full circle, you're only just where you started. Yeah. And you're only going to go forward a little bit before that circle starts again. So unless you have somebody to do a pattern interrupt, mm-hmm. which is why my podcast is called intentional disruption. Ah, yeah. Yeah. If you don't do that pattern interrupt, then you're just going to continue that vicious cycle. And I know that because I did that for a decade. And once I learned the skill to be able to step back, level set, and understand what's truly going on, and then make the shift, elevate, and go, that's when things really changed for me. And most people don't have that skill. It's not something we're taught in school. I didn't learn it in psychology. <laughs> I didn't learn it in philosophy. So, you know, it's a skill that it's available. Um, like I said, spiral dynamics. Claire Graves, it's a great book that talks about some of those things. But if you don't know to do that, you're just going to continue to go in that vicious cycle. Hmm. Let's go a little deeper into that then. How does how does that happen? What is the process that you use to be able to walk through that and to, to reset yourself? So my coach calls it the observation tower where you go through what is it that you feel? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm mad at my wife. Lauren, I'm not mad at you. Why am I mad at my wife? Well, she did this. Mm -hmm. How does that make you feel? And this is where you drop all your MFs. You get all of that energy out. Like whatever it is, however you feel about it, the nastiest, darkest, dirtiest things. It's called, um, what is it? Darkness integration, shadow integration. Oh, wow. I've never heard of this. I'm I'm totally ignorant of it. So please continue. So shadow integration, it's MFing it. It's getting all that out. Like the only way that, you know, think yin and yang. The only way you can be at peace is there's Mm -hmm. a little bit of each on each side. You have to be able to get it out. You have to be able to MF something. Um, An example, like in real time, when I'm driving, somebody does something really stupid in front of me, I'll just yell, motherfucker. Unless my son's in my car and then I'll try to change it. And she looks at me like I'm a psychopath. Like, what's wrong with you? But I'm already over it. It's gone. All that built up emotion and the road rage and all this. No, done. Gone. That's an accelerated version of this process, but you go through. All right. So why did, why does it make you feel that way? All right. You put that down. All right. What is something that they could have done different? What's Mm -hmm. something you could have done different? If you could talk to them now, what would you say? And it lets you just break through and understand what it is that happened, why you feel that way. And at the end of it, it lasts, you know, how do you feel now? I get it, man. And you like, could do that all on paper. I tried to build out um, years ago 
a actual like many chat that you could use for it but mm -hmm. i just didn't pay somebody for it and i'm not that great of a programmer <laughs> yeah i but, feel that i feel that but that's how you do that and then once you can do that pretty rapidly mm -hmm. like that malaise that you normally have throughout a day after a, a conversation it's done like just right there like spend five minutes go through it fully experience it come out the other side ready to rock and roll I like that. That's a, that's a really good way to uh, to look at it. Because normally, you know, somebody cuts me off in traffic. I just shake my fist angrily at them and then just take another sip of my coffee and uh, carry on about my day. I don't even yeah. I don't even give, shake. Give me a little bit of that. Dude, I live in a, no, I live in a college town, man. You just you just drive accepting that you're going to get cut off by idiots, and that's just part of life. You, you I don't even get angry about it anymore. <laughs> it's just I've, I've lived here so long, and um, they, I guess they they have to learn to drive somewhere. So uh, <laughs> it might as well be where you are. Um, but it's, but that applies to so many other things. You yeah. know, if you're not an entrepreneur right now, your boss does something. It's probably not great to MF them because there's consequences. But if you're okay, bathroom, if you're okay with the consequences, you know, when, when I worked in the restaurant industry, like people used to go in the walk-in freezer and yell and then punch things in the freezer. Um, mm -hmm. I never did, but I can remember chefs going in there. They'd go in there and shut the door, and you could just hear them yelling and banging shit around. And that was their, that was their safe space. That was their space to yell, motherfucker, and to to throw stuff. And and then they'd walk back out and just carry on like everything was fine. Yeah, and that that had a that had a lettuce for the salad. It's already broken up, ready to go. Yeah, but it, you know, in modern society, we've lost. Like everyone's always, well, a lot of people think that somehow humans have elevated because of society that because of democratic principles socialist principles insert whatever model we've <laughs> elevated joseph stalin's the soviet man which by the way did not work um more to come on that some other time dude we're just we're just fucking monkeys with money we're, we're, yeah we're, we're <laughs> monkeys with sticks and we learned how to make the sticks into different things like pens and money that's what yeah, we did that's it. yeah yeah there's, there's nothing different but we still have all those primal instincts like the lizard brain inside of us has not changed mm -mm. and that impacts you in business so much because once you get on that negative spiral it's really hard to get out unless you have a pattern interrupt right right and if you don't i mean i will tell you you'll go from you know making a good amount of money like i went from making more money than my parents to not being able to pay rent and all my stuff getting locked in my office mm. Damn. Yeah, we've been. Uh, I think That's the cost of not knowing how to do that. Uh, we both we both been there, and yeah, uh, yeah you add on uh, obesity and alcoholism on top of that, and you just about summed uh, yep, it up. Yeah, I had that going too. Happens to going too. But but that seems to be like that's just just the path of the entrepreneur. Um, every entrepreneur I know that's successful now into their forties and, and and on has been through weight gain, alcoholism, drug use, sometimes mm -hmm. prison time, sometimes divorce. But but like always at the cost of chasing the dream of, of freedom and being an entrepreneur, and you know back when I had um, I had retired at thirty six and made a small fortune, and I was drinking all the drink and drugging all the drugs and I was obese as could be and I wasn't a happy person because I'd never learned those fucking fundamental lessons of failure. You know. So all of this. So I ended up after. My business failed getting yeah. married. Let's let's talk about that. My dreams. Let's talk about how that fell. Um, Shit. 
so I've been married once before, mm-hmm. you know, the high school, like sweetheart, all that other stuff. And I didn't know how to deal with my stuff. So I couldn't properly elocute what I was going through, how I was feeling, feelings of abandonment, feelings of being less than because um, she was, you know, VP at a fortune 100 company. And I was, you know, I had to go back to school because if I didn't go back to school, we couldn't have kids. And like, right, there was all right. this stuff. And then I get done with Yukon and I end up with a $36,000 a year job when I left a $90,000 sales job to go back to school. Wow. That, that's going to be a smack in the face right there. Yeah. I mean, there, there was so much of that stuff going on, but I didn't know how to deal with that. So I went to sedation, which is what so much of so many of us do. Like we all that. Yeah. That's the easiest place to go, mate. I mean, yeah. it's a very short trip to make it there. Yeah. So I ended up getting divorced. You know, I have to leave the house. And for somebody that had abandonment issues, like now having to leave the neighborhood that you've now been in for a little while and you're established, mm-hmm. go live in a shit apartment and then like rebuild your life. So I ended up, you know, a couple of years after that, buying my first house by myself and was absolutely hammered in the morning um, on a weekend because I had to do yard work and yard work means beers. And I was listening to Drinking Bros podcast because I was trying to find my tribe. My lawnmower used to have a drink holder for my beer. (laughs) I mean, that's what my, isn't that what it's for? Yeah, like you drive on a Saturday morning, the sun starts to get hot. You're just driving around at half past nine, drinking a beer, mowing the pasture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's what I was doing. And then you look up and there's 18 beers gone and you're like, huh. Yeah. That was, uh, that's a lot of yard mowing for the day, you know? And it looks like an alien left crop circles in your yard. <laughs> and, you get, and you get the mower stuck around one of the sprinkler heads that's been leaking. Yeah, it, it's not ideal. But <laughs> that had to be part of my path. Because at the end of that, I ran out of those episodes and I found my now mentor for the last four years, his podcast on like episode three of he ended up doing like 500 Mm -hmm. and heard somebody talking about the darkness, about the pain, the shame, the guilt, the infidelities, all those bad things. And I was like, fuck, he, he understands. Yeah. And I reached out to him like, let me talk to this guy, see what's going on. You know, he seems like he's been in a really shit place and he's getting his stuff together. Mm-hmm. Now he's on track to be a billionaire and I'm evolving on my path too. But to have somebody that like just showed up as somebody on the podcast and then helped me start to make that mindset shift and re-engage and stop sedating away my potential. Yeah. That was a massive shift for me. And that's how all of this started down this process. Was there is, some? Was there a triggering moment where you realized, "Hey, man, this shit ain't gonna get any better if I don't stop sedating myself." Was it? Was there one thing that stuck out to you that made you made that change? I realized that if I was just gonna waste the rest of the time, I might as well put my Glock in my mouth. Oh damn! That was it. Like, if I'm not going to reach my potential, why am I wasting time? What am I even bothering doing? Like, I'd much rather not be in purgatory for the next 70 years. If that's what it's going to be, I'm opting out. Damn. And I realized, no, that's taking the easy way out. And if you just get over your own shit, you can actually start to live up to your potential again. Because when I was in the Marines, I was the number one rated person 
in my field mm-hmm. at my level. Like I've always been at a relatively high achieving level when I got out of my own way. Yeah. And yes. I'd put a lot of my own stuff in the way. So man, I mean, you gotta be careful. The, uh, the questions you ask guests on podcasts, especially as a host, cause I wasn't expecting that answer, but you make a decision that, you know, like, Hey, what, I'm going to stay alive and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do this. What was the first thing that you added to your routine to start getting yourself back on track? So <clears throat> I hired uh, my coach mm-hmm. first off. Um, but before that, I just started doing some of the stuff that he said to do. You know, when I met him, I was up until two in the morning, hung over when I got to work. Ironically enough, those wholesale of the year awards happened during that period. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've got enough talent, you don't actually need to be fully present. It seems it's pretty cool, but <laughs> I started making that shift. Like, Hey, maybe let's not get drunk seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, let's shift to, instead of going to bed at two, let's get up at five. Mm-hmm. Instead of having to run to work and starting with all this cortisol in your system, cause you're sprinting to get there on time. Let's get there half an hour early and just start off in the right mindset. And it was just starting to be small gifts back to myself, Mm -hmm. treating myself right, that allowed me to then go forward. Um, My love language is acts of service. So bringing some of that back out, but also with, because I was with my now wife, starting to express myself to her more because I didn't express myself with my first wife. And on the day she told me we wanted to break up, I'd made her pancakes. Oh, so man. evidently that shit doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> Who doesn't like pancakes? I don't know. Dude. I mean, whatever. <laughs> but it was it was just a part of like building back up small micro wins. Because mm-hmm. even just getting up without a headache is a win. Yes, dude. I. It's been so long. But I can remember waking up with the headaches, leaning my hands on the bathroom counter, looking in the mirror, shaking my head, blinking my eyes, and then, you know, three hours later, I'm back at the bar. Yeah, like, Gatorade and two aspirin, let's go. Mm-hmm. It's not the way to do it. No, no, it's not. But it seems to be the way that when entrepreneurs struggle and when they got shit that they don't want to confront, they don't want to deal with, because they don't have a boss and they don't have anyone telling them not to, going into self-sedation is probably the easiest place to be for them. It, it was it was for me. I could drink all day and hang out and not face the reality of what was going on. It was fucking great. And it, even worse, like with a lot of these people, they'll end up being the first person there, the last person to leave. Mm-hmm. But they did four hours of work. They were there for 12, mm-hmm. which is another form of sedation. Yeah. And now they're ignoring their family because they don't want to deal with those issues. And, you know, one of the things I love about my practice is having buggered up as much stuff as I have, I don't, the first question I have for you when we start a call isn't how's your PL, how's your top line, how's your bottom line, how's your family doing? How's the conversation with your wife that we were talking about last week? Like uh, my coach would talk about body being balance and business. All of those have to be in alignment. Mm, body being yeah. balance business. I like that. Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of these entrepreneurs, the first one is, you know, call it the Holy Trinity, whatever you want to call it, you have to be in perfect alignment. Because if you're not good, you can't be everything to your 
wife to your kids. And if you don't have it set up enough where they're in a good spot, mm -hmm. there's no way you can help your community. See, that's, yeah. that's the hardest thing for me to get across to other entrepreneurs. And it's one of the things that took me the longest to understand. I would always put my own needs second to the business. And mm -hmm. I would always put my family's needs second to the business. And now I put my own needs and my family's needs above that of the business. And my business is way, way stronger because I'm taking care of myself. I'm taking care of my fitness. I'm taking care of the people around me. And I'm a much happier person. I'm much, much, much happier to be at work. And I'm much better off for it. Um, do you see that pattern in entrepreneurs too? Do you see it where they, they put the business before everything? I've been that guy. Mm, me too. Yeah. So, but one of the things that I do, so like benefit of building an office in your house, um, mm -hmm. a lot of people have issues with that. Cause like, Oh, I can't put stuff down. I'm, I'm rapidly strict with the time that I have for my family. So I'm up at five. I'm in the office by about five fifteen. Mm -hmm. I get an hour, hour and a half work done. I come downstairs and make breakfast for my wife and my son. And we have breakfast together every morning. Mm -hmm. And then I'll stay with my son while my wife goes to work until my mother-in-law comes over. She watches him during the week, mm. take out the dog, you know, take out the trash, whatever other stuff I have to do. Then I'm back in the office, but at about 10 o'clock, I come down for 20 minutes, check into my wife, show her love and appreciation, go spend some time with my son. Around lunchtime, I'll do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. Mid-afternoon, I'll do the same thing again. I purposely build in a break from the job that pays the bills for the job that feeds my soul. Yeah. And then at about six o'clock, I'm back downstairs and I spend the rest of the time with my son and my wife. Um, usually she'll go up a little bit early. Like she takes care of her time for herself. Mm -hmm. And I put my son to bed every night and I go through with him and it only works because I do this other stuff every night, Sam, I walk him through what I'm proud of him for and not, Hey, you got an A on a test because that builds the wrong patterns. Mm -hmm. Something that he put effort into, whether it was successful or not, don't necessarily care. Hey, I really appreciated the way you tried to read the words in this book. He's two, or not even two, and he can do that. Mm -hmm. so I appreciate how you did this, or I appreciate the kind way you treated the person that came over, or the way you, you know, tried to use these different words. Right, right. I love you. I'm proud of you, and I'm very happy that I get to be your dad. And I'm always going to be right here for you. I do that every single night, been doing it for 23 months. And I didn't think that made much of an impact because I didn't think, you know, he's a little kid. Mm -hmm. And then one time I walked him through something he did. I don't remember what it was, but he took his little binky out and was like, yay. I was like, oh shit, he is listening. Dude, kids are just wonderful, man. Be being a dad is the best uh, the oh, yeah. be best thing I've ever done. I mean, you know, I, I love having a business, sure, but being a dad trumps it all. And one of the problems I had was, you know, um, their, their mother and I have been separated for quite some time, and we, we co-parent. Um, but, you know, I'd get finished with work at 5.30 or 6 o'clock and then immediately have to go drop the kids off. I'd never spend any time with the kids. So uh, I went through and I structured my calendar like yours. There's, there's spaces in my day. I, I work in specific uh, time blocks and every single day there's there's normally between two to three hours of every single day is budgeted to be with my kids 
and it's it's non-negotiable. It's on the calendar and nothing gets marked around it. And then I work in the evenings because they don't live with me. And so I've got that six to nine o'clock period at night where I can be far more productive than, you know, who's who's working between three and five anyway? Like most people in the afternoon, three, three o'clock to five o'clock, you're not getting shit done. Nobody's doing anything. They're looking at Facebook. You might as well just take the kids to the park, take the rest of the day off. And then I schedule all my meetings from six to nine at night. And it's wonderful, dude. I get to hang out with my kids every single day. Yeah. It's the most important job. And there's been a, a video going around with Jordan Peterson dubbing over it, talking about how you only have little kids for four years. Mm-hmm. And damn, if it doesn't get me in the feels every time. But like, I'm committed to creating the parenting model that I didn't have. Um, my number one downloaded episode, I think it's number 16. It's uh, Abandoned in a Truck. Oh, wow. And it I need, I need about, to go listen to that one. I'm going to write that down. Sorry, carry on. So my dad is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Um, gentle giant kind of guy. And always there to help somebody. Always there to help somebody. But just like your entrepreneur, mm-hmm. he helped everybody to the detriment of his family. Right. And this is back in the late 80s, early 90s. He had a Jeep Comanche. It was an 87. I remember it to this day had the worst factory radio ever. Like it wouldn't even get the in-town station. And I live in Connecticut, not Kentucky. (laughs) Like wild. And like, he'd leave it. All right, just turn the radio on and listen to it. Well, okay, great. I, I hated classic rock for my entire life now because of it. Cause I was like the only station that came in. Right. And I would just sit there and I'm one of those high functioning, like ADD types. And I need to be doing something. And I was just sitting in a truck or like, I'd go into this greasy garage. He's shooting the shit with his friends. And I'm just not like, what am I supposed to do? I'm there all by myself. Like, I don't know these people, by the way, his friends are not a character type that I would ever associate with. Right. Right. And like, I remember one of these times where I was just left at one of his friends house and my first memory as a child was screaming for my dad because I didn't want to be around the people that I was around. Oh, damn. Like at least until I did mushrooms, but that's another story. Um, (laughs) But that's like, when you start off from that as your first memory, Mm -hmm. it's not going to go well. Um, You know, split parenting, all that stuff. Like God bless you for doing a good job with co-parenting. It's the most important job, especially with the, you know, divorce rates and everything where it is, you know, like, it, it's really hard. We're adults and it's our job to raise our kids, whether or not, you know, we still live together and do all that. It shouldn't have any detriment on the fact that it's still both of our jobs to raise our kids. That's just, mm. that's the way I feel about it. You know? But how many people have used, leave their personal grudges in the middle of their co-parenting? Yeah, I can't do that. Mm-mm. No, I uh, got to put the kids at the front. Otherwise it, it for me, it wouldn't work. You know, yeah. and um, she has the patience of a saint, so fair play. Um, you know, we, we, we do make it work. But, yeah, it, it it's totally changed my relationship with my boys in that now they see me stop work. Um, I pick William up from school at 12.30. He, he just goes half a day. He's in a STEM school, a special school for mm-hmm. super kids or yeah. whatever he is. Real careers. And then uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie, I pick him up at... Th- 3.15 and I, I don't leave them normally till 5.30 or 6 o'clock um, maybe 6.30 some nights 
but just they see that they're around me they're around me at work I get to take them to the park I get to take them to do fun stuff and they get that afternoon every day with me and and it's the fact that I am an entrepreneur that allows me to do that because how many times do people come home and it's 6.30 or 7 o'clock at night and they get 20 minutes with their kids and then the kids are in the bath and going to bed you know yep. dad doesn't get a relationship with the kids and so I think I'm thankful for entrepreneurship that's given me the freedom to do that yeah I mean when we had people that were working on the farm, you got to see your dad go to work. Mm -hmm. You saw the tangible results of that work and you got the connection and the time and the space Yeah, with one and a lot of times two parents going to work. It, it just doesn't happen anymore. Like one of the things I talk about with my wife is um, we're emancipating her from work this year. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. And I was telling my son Ryan about this is like, you know, buddy, what really makes me feel blessed is the things that I need to do to help us achieve our goal. You know, mom being home, like she wants to be, to be with you. The mm -hmm. only way that it comes is by helping other people achieve their goals at a high level. And that's a fantastic congruence of events. Yeah. You're right. It is. Yeah. Like the, the more, the more you can help people achieve, the more they'll help you achieve. You know, it's like this this never-ending law of generosity that the universe has. Like, yeah. the more you put out, the more you get back. I, I love it. Yeah, the virtuous cycle, it's a heck of a thing. I didn't know about it, um, but I'm glad I found out. <clears throat> so let's jump back around, Mike, before we run out of time. Let's jump back around to uh, the, uh, the Delta Enhancement Group. And let's talk a little bit about your business and how it works and what you do for, for veterans and for entrepreneurs. Yeah, so there's two, two paths, I guess you would say. One of them was intentional. Um, one of them was accidental. The intentional one is working with what I call owner-operator business owners. So people that are, the like you mentioned, the expert in their field, but not the expert in business. Yeah. And those yeah. businesses... Uh, the ones that survive, you'll see their revenues are between one and three million dollars because that's where natural talent runs out. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. They normally got eight to 10, maybe 12 employees somewhere in there. And they just yep. you can't push any harder. That's that's as that's as many hours as I can give. Um, yep. So I'm, I'm guessing you're running into people before they've got systems in place and they're just literally running off brute force and willpower. Is that right? That's just it. They're they're. <laughs> big tough guy they're pushing through and they're burning themselves out and again i've been there you know i've done the 100 hour weeks I, I know what that is and you can see that they're doing it for passion but all these other things are starting to pull them down yeah so yeah. we stabilize their practice their business whatever it is and we do you know the books i use um scrum great book yeah, I'm, I'm gonna write these. Google. I'm gonna write these down. <laughs> so they're all literally right back here. So Scrum, the One Minute Manager, the Twelve Week Year. There's a couple others. Um, Alex Hormozzi's book is fantastic. I um, love that book. Yes, hundred million dollars offers. Yeah, that's a wonderful book, especially for um, for for entrepreneurs that are struggling to really. Uh, find value in their services. I love the way that book peels apart how to build value and build that relationship with your your, your customer through the ad. I, I love what Alex has wrote. So my process, um, 
you know, everyone has their unique process, but there's no new information in the universe at this point. Um, I look at it as ready, willing, and able. Each one of those words has a skill set associated with it. Right, uh, right, most entrepreneurs right. have one or two really strong legs of that three-legged stool. Um, if they have all three, they don't need me. Um, and I'm happy to let them know that, but you know, that's a unicorn. And yeah. So what we do is we target where they're weak and bring that up to spec. And then we accelerate the entire business, um, using the agile methodologies. I'm one of those yellow belts for six Sigma, all those fun things. Mm -hmm. And we take an analysis based look at what they need to do to get to the desired end state. Right, so, right. That's about the process, and it's a 24-month process usually, mm -hmm. but the idea is at the end of the active work, I guess we'll call it, you've either got a business that you love running, because the difference between a business owner and <sighs> I, I hate saying I know it this way. Going. Yeah, I know you go. But you mentioned it earlier. Like if you go away and your business stops working, you don't have, you're not a business owner. You're a highly compensated self-employed person. Yeah, and correct. at the end of my time working together, your business will run without you there, which does two things. It allows for that business to stay inside of the family, you know, which is a great thing. That's how you generate intergenerational wealth. Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing that these, um, lockdown procedures i won't use the actual word because i don't want to get you demonetized you're, you're fine uh, pal you say whatever the fuck you like it's all right <laughs> so these covid lockdowns and this other bullshit was specifically targeted at small businesses and it's destroying the fabric of the communities especially in the urban areas could not agree more like this is why we should talk about this shit like yeah. could not agree more well i was trying to find a way to be nice about it but at the end of the day it's a bunch of crap and like we talked about um when, on the financial side of the house you're talking about a 40 year setback and as much as that's that. not great because you've lost. So when your local pharmacist retires or gets shut down, CVS moves in, you've lost that asset in the community. Those dollars now like Timmy's baseball team isn't getting funded by corporate CVS, but you know, Jim's, you know, pharmacy will do it. When you lose that local builder, Toll Brothers comes in. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It all goes up. It, it's getting funneled upwards. Uh, it's essentially as though they're just like reaming out the middle class and taking all of our assets. Like by, yeah. and, then, and then when you add inflation onto that, I mean, you look at the look at the gas prices right now, and you just had Exxon post record profits. Like, mm -hmm. there, there's yes, there's some supply and demand issues, but come on. Like the, the middle class is being systematically and deliberately decimated at this point. Now that brings up an interesting part because that's a commodity. So that, that is a middle market product in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So they're getting paid what the commodities brokers think it's going to be Correct. in the future. Mm -hmm. But no matter what you hear from the white house about drilling and all that other stuff, I don't listen to those fucking severely. idiots. Yeah. Well, they've been severely restrictive and mm -hmm. the stuff that they're looking at removing is part of these tax breaks. Oh, they're giving all these tax breaks. They're no different than if you put in research into a new product line and it didn't work, you'd mm -hmm. be able to write that off as a loss. Yeah. So when they have expenses with trying out new drilling areas, 
they write that off on their taxes. That's one of the things they're looking to remove, saying, oh, well, they're getting a kickback or whatever. It's like, no, that, that's that's exploratory research. That's no different right, than right, right. anything else. But that's the problem is you've got the government squeezing you on one side mm-hmm. and then all the other shit on the other side. Well, yeah, but the the corporations that are squeezing on the other side own the politicians, so it's easier to squeeze. And, and it just goes around in a big fucking great circle. Like, our entire legal system is paid for. Like, it's just... Well, who, who, fu- who funds the FDA? Pfizer. Mm-hmm. Um, the financial... And I'll have to tread lightly on this one. Why? Um, <laughs> like, because I'm a registered representative of a certain firm. Um, oh, well, it's still the truth. So, it's, like... No, it's, it's all factual. But, like, mm-hmm. when you see what they push for as far as new legislation or requirements, it's like... You know, I'll use Davos as an example. All mm-hmm. these billionaires saying, you yeah. know, tax the wealthy. Fucker, you can write a check to your local version of IRS, your state, your city, whatever you want. They will take a donation. You can do it. They don't want to do that. What they want to do is consolidate power. Mm-hmm. And that that's what that is. Like right. when you hear them talk about that, it's to hold everybody else down because they've already ascended to a certain level. That's exactly what it's for. And, and you know, that's not going to fly. Well, it, it comes back to the fact that big will always fuck little, always, mm-hmm. and that back to the the nature of humans and the fact that we are just monkeys with money. Um, mm-hmm. The biggest monkey is going to smash the little monkeys and take their bananas. That's how it works. That's how nature works. That's how life works. If if we happen to get invaded by aliens and they're bigger than us, we're getting smashed and we're getting our bananas taken. You know, that's how oh. it works. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on um, what else they bring to take that banana because we have equalizers. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen Independence Day and how that goes. You, you, you get where I'm going, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I, I'm not lining up to be probed, but I, th- I think if, if, if we had an alien invasion, we'd, we'd probably struggle a little bit. <clears throat> so. Well, that, that's fair. That is very fair. <laughs> I just had a vision of who would we send as our representative, and I hope it's Elon, not the president. Oh my goodness! Good grief! Shit! I mean, I think we should send like Hulk Hogan. Like, no. I mean that. <laughs> it depends on how they they approach us. It's like Christopher Walken said, "You're talking to my guy all wrong." You know, it really depends on how they approach. That's true. Yeah. Uh, true. I mean, you either need to send. Like Jordan Peterson, or you need to send Tim Tim Kennedy. That's you know, true. It's gonna, It's one of those two. Yeah, I mean, twenty years ago, I'd have said we should send Mister T, but I think he's probably a little too old now. He's a little bit too old for fisticuffs, but I mean, that was all an act anyway. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. All right, Mike. <laughs> shit, we're about running out on time, mate, dude. This has been a. <laughs> it's been. I feel like I told you for another hour, but you know, I know you've got a busy schedule. I've got uh, stuff stacking up here in a minute. I got a, another podcast. Hey, you're about to go to your important job pretty soon here. This is my job, dude. Like no, Dad, that's your important job. All this other stuff just empowers that. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I've got about. Uh, it's it's two thirty now. I got about. Uh, I got about. T- 35 minutes before I got to go leave to get Charlie. But, um, mm-hmm. man, it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to have you on. So I've got just a couple questions I always ask all the guests. Um, this show, uh, you know, it's about the fact that success is 
virtually always built on the foundations of failure and the lessons that we learn. And it's aimed at entrepreneurs maybe a few years behind you and I on the journey. If you had to turn around and talk to Mike from maybe five years ago or maybe 10 years ago, what's one piece of advice that you would, uh, you would offer to somebody that's, uh, that's right there where he was? Man, 10 years ago, I was in one of the darkest spots of my entire life. Um, so first thing I would tell myself is it's worth it. You're worth it. And you already know you can do it. Just go execute. I love that. Yeah. Especially with what you said about the Glock earlier. Um, mm. Yeah, I love that. It is worth it. Wow. That's strong stuff, man. All right, Mike. Um, for the ones of the guys that want to follow the Intentional Disruption podcast and check out uh, the Delta Enhancement Group, let everybody know sure. where they can find you online. So Intentional Disruption, it's ironically enough, it's on every app you can find, Spotify, iTunes, everything. Mm -hmm. um, but I post the links up in my LinkedIn um, and on my Facebook, and most of mine are direct downloads, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Uh, pretty wild. Um, my website is the most ruthlessly basic, exactly what you need to know <laughs> website ever. It's michaeldemo.com. Demo spelled D's and Delta, E's and Echo, M is in Mike, O is an Oscar. Um, and it literally has two questions. Are you ready to build? Or are you ready to sell? And whichever one it is, I'll help you get there. Wonderful. Dude, that's, man, I didn't know you prior to this. And this has been an <laughs> absolute joy to sit here and interview you, mate. I've really uh, enjoyed getting to know you. And uh, I want to thank you immensely for coming and sharing so much knowledge and wisdom with the audience. Thank you for coming on, Mike. I really appreciate Glad it. Glad to do it, brother. I appreciate it. All right, guys, that was Mike Demo. He let me pronounce his name wrong the entire show. Um, but he is the CEO of Delta Enhancement Group and the host of the Intentional Disruption podcast. So if you have enjoyed listening to him today, uh, do him a favor, click through the show notes. Go follow his socials and give his podcast a listen. And uh, you can do us a favor too. Uh, jump on Instagram, follow us at Small Business Surgeon. And uh, if you're feeling so inclined, share the show, leave a review. It does help get the message out and it helps us to grow. All right, that's it from us. And uh, you'll be good. Stay safe and tune in Wednesday for another episode of Sam and Kyle. See what's up. Have a great week. small business surgeon podcast if you've made it this far you clearly like it so go on itunes and leave us a five-star review this helps people find the show and spread the good word share with friends and follow us at small business surgeon on facebook and instagram thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for your follow-up next week the small business surgeon was recorded at texas media foundry in historic downtown Bryan, texas Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.